I'm going to give your legs a little work here. We're going to go through three verses and then take our seats, okay? Can you stand with me while we do the three? Okay, let's go to Philippians chapter 3, verse 15 through 18. Y'all don't have to stand. I'm just saying if you want to, you can. This is good. Short and sweet, but powerful. This is Paul speaking. He says, all of us, everybody say all of us, who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. He'll make it clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together. Everybody say join together in following my example. Brothers and sisters in your most churchy voice, say brothers and sisters. <laughs> and just as you have as a model, keep your eyes on those who have lived as we do. If you're going to look at somebody to imitate, look at those who have lived as we do and continue to do, says Paul. It's good, isn't it? Verse 18, for, I, for as I have often told you before and now tell you again, because people forget, even with tears, this is serious, people, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Let me, let me just point that line out one more time so you get this. Paul says, with tears, let me recap these three verses to them. He speaks that many live as enemies of the cross. So at the end of the day, I always say, we have fun here. We have Starbucks. It's so cool. We get excited. But at the end of the day, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. That's why we do this. As you take your seats, find four people. Get up out your seat. Find four people. High five them and tell them what? Ask them, what is your story? What is your story? Come on, work those legs. Just a little, just like walk over to somebody. Corona ain't a thing. What's your story? Hi, what's up? Somebody, people breaking barriers. What's your story, Jen? What's your story, Nolani? I already know y'all. Y'all can take your seats, by the way. It's kind of funny. I love church people because they're so dedicated. They'll stand for the hour if you'd ask them to. One time I forgot to say, like, take your seats, and they just didn't sit down for like another 10 minutes, and I forgot. That's when I was dressed as Urkel. It was super spiritual that day. Remember Urkel? <laughs> it was Pastor Urk from the Urk Church up in the Liberty High School. <laughs> What's your story? That's my title. It's a question. What's your story? My story is a little weird. I was a musician, a lot of you know. I still am. Then I became a dad and a husband and a preacher and a software guy and a, I do real estate stuff. I'm just like a, someone said, are you an octopus? You have a lot of arms. I said, no, I'm just not right up here. I didn't tell him that. <laughs> but when I was younger, I was a dedicated musician and I lived in Nashville and I went to a school called Belmont University. Anybody ever heard of it? One person. Amen. That's all right. Because they were, they were, um, really a small school back then, but they were the biggest school in the country for music business. And I didn't really care about that. I just wanted to go there because I was aspiring artist, 
trying to get a paid way. I told my parents, if they could pay for my school, I could get to Nashville and I could do my hustle and I could like get my record deal. And really I'd get like, I'll, I'll be going to school, you know, but, but really the school helped funnel artists into the channel of the music business in Nashville. And so, so I ended up with a business degree, but a minor in music business management, even though I never wanted to be a manager, but I learned how managers think through the program. And we had these teachers and they'd say things like, what's your story? If you're, everybody in Nashville is a songwriter, an aspiring artist, a sound man, a producer, everywhere, everywhere you go, they're musicians, every coffee shop, every, and guess what? They're all really, really good. And you get there and go, I don't know if I should stay here. These people are like really good. And, and the thing in the class was always, came to me this morning. I'm like, what was his name? Dr. Wachholz. Randy Wachholz, I'm 99% sure he was Randy. I probably shouldn't have said his name. I should have called him George. His name was George. He'd asked the class, what's your story? He says, because nobody wants an imitation. And so it was this trick question that always haunted me in the, in the journey. And, and years later, I'm sitting in front of a record company with my guitar playing, not my music, but Hall & Oates. Anybody remember... Uh, Easy, ready, willing, overtime, bum, bum. Where does it go into the Nobody? Drop the line. Come on, somebody. I didn't sing all the lyrics. I just did the melody, so it's clean. So I was doing that on a box guitar. And, and here it was again years later. They go, what's your story? And I, it frightened me because it's a trick question. Because if you say, well, I sound like them, they go, we don't need that. But they'll corner you. They do this. They say, they say, who do you sound like? And if you say, well, Kenny Loggins, back when he was a thing, or you say Justin Timberlake when he was a thing, or you say Hall and Oates, they'll say, well, then why do we need you? What's your story? You see where I'm going with this? So, so, the, so the fear was to always like, Say you're not like them, but then they say, well, you got to contend with them. So if you don't have nothing special to bring, we don't want you. See you next year to the next person. And that's how it works. It's ruthless. And so I never forgot that. And so as a dad now, I'm looking back at my kids and I'm looking at Instagram and thank God they're not on there. They're on YouTube. They're, they're little YouTubers and I'll get to that in a bit. And it's so cute right now. But what I see is a lot a lot, capital L-O-T, of imitation, like them. It, it, it's, it's like an all-time high. I've talked about this. The need for validation through, through um, being watched to being elevated is like at an all-time high with young people. I mean, I know all your Facebook posts are truly nice and, and, and the real life thing, but mine are usually pretty fake if, if you want to see our real life. When I was yelling at Colton because he almost smashed his sister in the car when we got out of the car today, I wouldn't post that part, you know, because I don't want you to see that. So I don't know about you, but a lot of people just post the part that looks good so they can look a certain way, but really it's, it's not the real thing. And it, not only are they posting not what's the real thing, and it's okay, you don't want to share everything. But they're often posting to look like someone else, someone else's story. Why does God need you to be writing someone else's story? Our vision is discover God's perfect plan made just for you because it's your plan. 
And as soon as you try to divert, and this is going to be, there's going to be some funny stories in this sermon that you're going to laugh about this. Because it's funny what we do. We think if it looks the same, it'll come out the same. And that is not the truth. But the problem that God put on my heart to share today, and happy 4th of July, by the weekend, by the weekend, by the way, this weekend, that detour tripped up my speech. How many got stuck in the detour? I didn't follow the directions I emailed out this weekend. I forgot to do that. So I went to the dead end, Jen, and then the gaslight went on. I'm like, this is the latest we've ever been to church. This is good. I like this pressure. New challenge. But anyway, it made me look dexic in my speaking, so everything's backwards today. I'm like Yoda, okay? Just bear with me. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But why are our kids obsessed with looking like someone else? Why has the world taught us that in order to be special, we have to get noticed by others? We need recognition to put us above the norm to feel value. Why can't we be normal and feel value? Why do we have to be elevated, you know? And I see it happening to my kids. I'll never forget something my brother told me, and I thought he was wrong because I thought I could just be invincible to my children in their upbringing against the world. And he said, you don't have to worry about telling them not to do stuff because they're trained up in it already. And by the time they get old enough that you tell them to quit doing that on the device, they're gonna know it's so much better than you. And he was so right because, because the world is infiltrating them faster than the parents can keep up. And so like they, they got promos on their own YouTube channels already. They got link and, like and subscribe splash screens. I mean, they're on it, and they're just little bitty kids. So they're being trained up faster in this generation. The, the, kids are, the kids are moving like the technology does. The speed of technology just like doubles every six months, right? But they're training based on the culture's pattern of having to be in the limelight, having to be with the microphone, having to have, look at me. Hey guys, that's the number one YouTube phrase. Hey guys, you know, hey, it's Instagram. Hey guys, like everybody's doing that. The duck face, everybody does the duck face. Everybody does the TikTok, no. Anybody watch TikTok a little closer? It don't look very Jesus-like to me. I was on there about two minutes, about four years ago, and I said, this is kind of raunchy. I don't want my kids touching this. But that's what the world says they should do. And that's cool to the peers. And so that's what they're imitating. But the story of our life was meant to be unique and not reproducible by someone else, nor are we to replicate a journey that was meant for them because God defined our journey to come from within the boundaries of his will for our life. So Paul says it's okay to imitate, but be careful what you imitate. And you're not supposed to imitate forever. As you imitate the things of God, the things of God become who you are. So that's the difference. This thing about the story, I thought was cool because we're all writing a story with our life right now. No matter how old you are, if you have air to breathe, you are still writing chapters in your story. And so there's, there's three types of story writers. There's people who don't do nothing. They got the pen in the drawer. Then there's the people who are writing somebody else's story. Then they got the way that God wants us to do, which is writing our own story through the will of God. So that's what we're comparing today. If I'm going to imitate something, I choose to imitate the things of God, says Paul. And Paul says, until you know how to do that, 
than just imitate me. Paul says, I'll be your example until you know how to do it on your own. Isn't that good? I'm going to imitate Jesus until those who don't know Jesus start imitating me. Look to your neighbor and tell them, I'm going to imitate Jesus. Come on, somebody. Until those who don't know Jesus start imitating me. And that doesn't mean you stop growing when they start imitating you. It means they don't know Jesus like you didn't know Jesus. And now you know Jesus, you can imitate him uh, without the help of someone else. But now they're learning Jesus through you. And eventually they'll have that direct relationship with Christ too. So we're playing Paul in people's lives right now. You getting this? And until those people know how to find Jesus, who we're leading them to, I'm going to keep imitating until they start imitating me. Because that's gospel. What they're imitating is the light of God in me. Not me, not my flesh, not you, not your flesh, but the light that shines through you. I keep a lot of pens in my book, book bag, my backpack, I don't know what you call it, my church bag. But only once in a while do I pull that thing out. I've had other really cool ideas about writing a book, and I've got this shortcut on my desktop. It says, outline for seven, the book about the journey of Camilla. And, and I never picked up the, the pen. It just keeps waiting to start. So there's a story there that's not being written. So that, that represents, I love y'all, but some of y'all got pens all over and are never willing to pick the thing up. And I'm guilty of that. But until you start writing something, you can never figure out what God's trying to define to be your story. You got to start writing something. And if you keep waiting to write and waiting to write, eventually the pen will run out of ink and dry up. But you've got a story to write. So, so that's the first step, is that we all have a story, but are you writing anything? Anybody know? Anybody with writer's block? We all got it. We all plead the fifth there. This is people who seek God to change the situation, but don't want God to change them. Oh, I don't like that. God, fix my situation. God says, if I can fix how you do it, I can fix your situation. And that takes accountability. That means I got to get the pen out and start doing something with what God gave me. That's the roadblock. That's where the closed road comes up. We don't see God to change us. We want to, I've been, we're writing a sermon on 1 John, a series. And, and it's all about you can't keep mingling in darkness when you're trying to be the light. They can't coexist. And so it's another parallel of the same thing. Until we are willing to get out and write the pen and say, God, change our hearts. I can't keep asking God why my situation doesn't change. Why do I keep getting the same circular result every time God says, because you came to me, but you never let me change you. You getting this? Is this good? Is this helping somebody? I'll take the silence as penetrating soil that I asked God to do before this message today. Hey, Chris. The pen is not moving. It's procrastination. We just stay the same and watch TV all day. <laughs> does, does anybody have a problem watching TV all day, every day? You want to go outside? No, it stinks out there. I'll smell like air. Let's just watch TV. Happy birthday, babe. I'll tell you what, what Nashville did for me is I didn't have a TV because I was broke. I didn't even have room to fit a TV, Mike. You could have gave me one. I couldn't fit it in the room. It was just me, my guitar, and like a little fridge in a bathroom. 
I said, no, no, I slept upright. No, it wasn't that bad. But, but what I'm saying is I quit watching TV for like five years. I'm not saying TV's bad. I'm saying I got out of the habit of watching TV, and now I do watch YouTube. But, but if, if, it's, if it consumes you all the time, and you're just sitting around watching the world go by, God says, when are you going to pick up your pen? Because there's something valuable in you that you're not using that I gave you. We call it provision, and we're all wasting our provision because God is so good, but God, I'll see you after the holiday. You know? I had to check my spirit at the birthday party, Jen. We went to a birthday party for my son, and I made a joke with my dad because he always shares Jesus. I was like, you're sharing Jesus today. And I was joking with my brother. I'm like, no days off. And Todd White popped in my head. How many know who Todd White is? Todd White right there popped in my head. He says, I take Jesus everywhere. And right in that moment, I felt like, I'm sorry, Lord. I was just kidding. We were climbing walls. We were sweaty. I had like a harness on. I was like, I was just kidding. No days off. This is my story. This is not part of my schedule. This is my story. And so, so that's what I love about my dad is he takes it everywhere, anywhere. He was preaching to the counter, the people at the counter at the rock wall place. For reals. His pen's moving. I love that. What if the best part, now hear me, when you hear this, this, say, say, he's talking to me. Say, God's talking to me inside when I say this. What if the best part of who you were was being held up by the pen sitting in your drawer? Yep, that's for you. Is he talking to me? Mm-hmm. What if the best part of your journey never comes out because you step to the pen first, says the Lord. You step by step. So if I don't ever get that pen, what? that's why we did this church. I said, I don't know what it will be. I believe it'll be big. I believe my whole heart's in this. But if it never goes to where I want, I know that I gave it everything. Because I was creeping up on 40 and said, my pen is sitting in the drawer. God gave me too much of this to let it go by the wayside. It's not right. It's not right. And so that caused me to move. Do something. And it's been the greatest thing ever since. Because once I started moving the pen, I started writing some stuff. It started flowing. I didn't think I had nothing to say. And God will start moving your pen in a way you didn't know was possible. You getting this? You didn't think you had anything to write. You thought you had writer's block. But until you move the pen, you don't know what God's trying to pour out of you and me. Well, when I feel God call, you're not going to feel nothing. So start writing sometimes. Let me tell you something funny here. The best songwriters write all the time. They write when they want to. They treat it like a job. They get up and they go write even when they don't feel inspired. My problem always was I was going to wait till I felt creative. Five years goes by. That was my, my teen years. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put more time in it when I feel creative to it. And then I realized by 35, that doesn't always happen. So until you just start making it part of your routine, you won't feel it. God's not going to throw a lightning bolt. You may get to high of church, but when Monday comes, you're like, I got to get up early to get on the treadmill for Jesus. Like all these things. Like that's like, I don't feel it. I just do it. I'll do it so I can feel it. But I don't wait till I feel it because then I'll never do it. You know? And that's what we do with the stories of our life. When I someday, you know, you know, big dreams are accomplished by small steps. 
I love big dreamers who have no plan to get there. I just want to say, you'll never start. I hear it all the time. I think this would be a great idea. Let's go conquer the world. Why don't you first get out of bed on Sundays and make your bed and go to church? How are you going to conquer the world without even getting to Monday? Without even holding a job? Without even blessing your neighbor? Like, like it doesn't work that way. And so, so we look at the end result, the dream, the fruit, the mega church, all these things. But that is not where we start. That's why we call it one seed. You just take one little seed God gave you. Maybe it's from this word today. Maybe you take it in the 4th of July tomorrow when you're blowing up stuff. I know I will be. <laughs> Neighbors, it's the preacher doing that. Whoa, those are big ones this year. Call the police. Hey, Jesus did this. We got some big ones this year. I hope, hope the neighbors aren't home. Cul-de-sac explosions. <laughs> but seriously, take one little seed, anything. Say, Jesus loves you. Hey, I went to church today. It was so good. God loves you. One little seed will multiply in your heart that you give it to somebody else. It's crazy. Mike, you know all about it. One little seed you give away tomorrow because what God did for you, you will feel so good. Now, all of a sudden, you feel like getting a pen out. So you're stirring up the spiritual creative that God put in you by casting a little seed. I didn't say cast it when it springs up out of the ground. You got to cast it so it can spring up out of the ground. I always thought, man, I could have been a really good songwriter if I was consistent with it. But I took five-year gaps. And so I learned later in life, anything I pursue, I've got to do it with or without when I feel it. It's about consistency. If I'm consistent at something, eventually it will grow. And I learned that. And that's what God's trying to tell us here. That's what Paul's trying to tell us here is that you're going to imitate me, says Paul, for a season, but then there's a point where you're going to get this on your own. And now someone's going to imitate you because of you following God's will. And that's the good type of imitation. So that's good. We're getting our pens moving, Pastor, and, and writing stuff. But now it's like, what are we writing? Is it the things of God or is it Instagram world, duck face? world. We're really good at copying their story, but what about me? I'm really good at sharing their thing, but what about me? Some of you, okay, okay, some of you don't do social media. That's fine. You can do it in your job. I'm going to act like the supervisor. I'm going to act like him because I think his life's better than mine. We can take this back to traditional, traditional pre-internet. If you, uh, whatever it takes to connect with you today, like, like whatever God is building in your path, you can't get it by copying somebody else forever. That may promote you in your job, but God's journey for you is unique. But my kids, they got these Instagram, uh, these YouTubes. And by default, when you create a Google account, you instantly have a YouTube account. When you have a YouTube account, you instantly have a YouTube channel. And so now they're like, can we post a video? And we're like, well, don't say our names. Don't, don't show our house. Like, this is creepy, weird. Don't do that. And Colton's like, okay, I'm just going to show videos of me playing Halo. So this morning I'm watching an 11-minute clip of Colton playing Halo, and, and it's, hey, guys, and then it's just him yelling at the screen for 11 minutes, Rusty. <laughs> it's pretty funny, actually. It's pretty funny. You can't even understand what he's saying. It's not like he's speaking in tongues. Like, you can't even tell what he's saying. He's like, oh, oh they're going to get me. You know, like he's like crazy like Taz. 
He's tasked to us. That's Colton. And, uh, but what's funny is in the beginning, a splash comes on. It says, like, subscribe, you know, help us grow our viewers. I'm like, what are you building? I don't know. Dad, can you subscribe to my channel with every account you have so I have more views? Can you click the bell? Like, he's obsessed with the notoriety. I don't like that. And I was kind of like him at his age. I was like, where did he get that from? But I learned, I learned that that's not the way in my adult life, and I did a 180 by 25. And so I see it being a hobby right now, but I see all the kids kind of commingling in that world, wanting to imitate the other YouTubers. And when it's clean and fun, that's good. But what happens when they start imitating the drug habit? Or they start imitating the, the cuss language that they slip in and all these games. I want to smack some of those people. I said, don't talk to my eight-year-old watching this tutorial on how to, how to play uh, Hello Neighbor. Why are you talking like that? Like, that's what the devil does. He slips in those seeds the same. They're talking about a video game, and he's slipping in little curse words, like here and there, like, like OMG and all this stuff. We don't like to say that. We don't want to use God's name like that. So I catch him. I say, Kaylee, yeah, the youngest one is the one doing it. I say, you can't watch that one. Well, Daddy only said it once. Now it's once, Jen. It was before no, no mercy. Now it's if they say it only once or twice. You see what's happening? They're being conditioned. You getting this? And guess what happens? I'm being conditioned because after five kids, I'm like, I guess it's no big deal. What happened to me? On Chloe, I was like a military sergeant. Now I'm like, I guess that's no big deal. Whatever you say, Kales, you're seven. Do what you want. You just tell dad when you need me. Parents, brothers, sisters, children, we all become conditioned to the imitation of the pattern of the world. And so if we're not conscious of what we're imitating, we become the world. The Bible calls the world enmity with God. So as we become the world, we cannot be in the light, he says. That's why we just shine a light in a dark world. So, and it even says, it even says that if we continue to do those things, we are not in the love of Christ. Isn't that scary? Well, God is love, God is grace. No, he says, if you keep sinning that way, that is not my will. You are, you are lying to yourself. The devil is lying to you with that. So there has to be a line of separation. I'm not saying don't use YouTube. I'm not saying don't make fun videos. I'm not saying all of that. But I'm saying when it becomes your story and it's someone else's journey, that's dangerous. That's not God's will. God will never ask you to be Jose Canseco, Ozzy. <laughs> oh, this is good. This is, if you like baseball from the 80s and 90s, this is funny. How many remember Jose Canseco? <laughs> The, the uh, Oakland Athletics, the, the Bash Brothers, Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco, and they both were on the roids, and they were beasts in the 80s. And then they shrunk in the late 90s. Why is that? I don't know. But they were so good. Does anybody know what baseball is? Okay, you know, the bat, the stick, the ball. Okay, it's like supposed to be St. Louis's favorite sport. Okay, okay, just making sure, because it's like, woo, twit, crickets. Okay, so like, so like, we got on the Cardinals, Jose Canseco's, Rusty, did we have this talk? We did. Jose Canseco's twin brother. Jose, I love you, man. Ozzy, I love you. This is just for the sermon. Don't come find me. I got security. Uh, they were twins. They looked identical. They both played baseball. They were built 
identical. I mean, they look like identical twins. So we got Ozzie Canseco. And this is when the Cardinals weren't very good. They were always losing to the Pirates or the Braves, but coming in like third. And we finally got like a big power hitter in Ozzie Canseco. And I I, I I remember watching that guy like at nine years old and the ball was like, whoo, on the outfield. And he's like, he's like, he's like, I don't know. And then he go up to bat and he's a strikeout city and he was traded in like a year. But he looked just like Jose, his brother, who was, who was like the Albert Pujols of the day. Now, isn't that funny? He looked exactly like him. He was built like him. His athletic ability was apparently the same, but the result was two different stories, completely different. He never helped the Cardinals. They still were losing with Ozzy. And I'll never forget that, going scratching my head going, when I thought it was okay, God, because it looked the same. I still have to check myself. Who am I imitating as a man? I preach it. Do I practice it? I got to be careful what I wear. I look like I'm copying them. Hail, hail, Lion of Judah. Great album, by the way. You like my swag shirt? That's the Lion of Judah shirt right there. Elevation Worship, go get it. So good. But what I'm saying is we are all susceptible to this problem. So we have to stay in our text. We have to stay in God's word so that we don't let it take over as God's word. Because that's for them. That story's for them. When you try to imitate somebody else's story, it backfires. It will backfire on you. That's why you don't want to do that. So yeah, it's good you're writing. Now ask God to reveal to you your story. Because that's for them. And I'm going to imitate those who know Jesus until those who don't know Jesus start imitating me. And I'll continue to nurture them. And then they can be nurtured, nurturing others. Now others start imitating them. And it's all one God flowing through his body. Isn't that good? I want to leave you with this on this 4th of July weekend, which is so good. The weather's good. It's fun. It's going to be barbecue weather. But I want you to really get this, that this is not a feel-good message. This is the truth about your life, that God put a value in you. God had you in mind from the beginning. Before you were born, he knew what you would grow up to do. We were predestined according to the foreknowledge of God. Not that he would do it for us. Not that he would pull our strings and we had no choice. But he knew from the beginning what we would choose to do, where we would choose to go, and how we would choose to live our story for his kingdom. So you have great priceless. Everybody look to your neighbor and say, you're priceless. Value that God put in you. And you can be the most quiet, shy person, and God put great value in you because value is not defined by how loud and, and, and obnoxious you can be in front of people. Value is defined, because I could go there all day, but I could, still be in, I could still be worthless with my life if I wanted to be. Value is in the spirit. Value is what God put in you for his glory. That's the only place real value lives. I'm going to write something that no one else has written. It's my story. Look to your neighbor and say, it's my story. You can't have it. Just yell it at him. You can't have it, Jen. That's mine. 
trying to take my story. They say, they say you should be flattered by imitation. That's good, but eventually you got to say, you know what? You're fooling yourself. God's got your story. That's for you. You don't want my mine. You want yours. Paul is not saying be fake here. He's saying learn to be real by modeling me who is only observing the real thing. That's what he's saying. When you imitate, it's not saying be fake. It's what you're imitating that determines if it's real or fake, lasting or toxic. And that's what Paul is saying. We imitate the things of God so that others can see God in us. If y'all could stand this morning, I'm going to keep imitating those who know Jesus until those who don't know Jesus start imitating me. Because Jesus is the ultimate example. He's really the one we're modeling, and that never stops. God's not making clones. He's given us a path. We've talked about it. Not everybody's a finger in the body of Christ. Some of y'all might be a pinky toe. Together, through our synergy of gifts, of people on the camera, people in the worship team, people on the computer, we all bring our gifts in the kids together. And that is how God um, puts out the mission. That's how God executes the mission. If we all did the same thing, we would fall on our face and trip on the same leg because we're all walking the same way, in the same path, and trip on each other. That's not God want. God wants something for you today at 1C Church. There's something at 1C Church that God wants to use just you. I don't even know what some of the things are yet, but God does. That's what's so good about this. He's got it all blueprinted out. God had you in mind. If no one shows me the way, then how could I know where to follow? I'm thankful for Paul who says, in my tears, I have to give you this because the world is enemies of the cross at the end of the day. The world is enemies with breaking the norm. The world is enemies with shaking up the community to a level they're not used to. It's not PC. It's too, it's too, it's too crazy. Faith, the faith is too crazy they have. Yeah, we like it that way. I'll never forget sitting in that office, EMI, Music Publishing, Music Row, Nashville, Tennessee, 2006. Yeah, I'm old. He said, what's your story? I said, I said, I don't sound like them. This is my story. He says, you're the real deal. I said, yes, I am. And I said it like that. I said, I'm not copying nobody. Don't you take my, my dreams and tell me that I can't be what God called me to be because you're trying to plagiarize me as somebody else. And that's what they were doing. And I said, I don't sound like them. This is my story. Take it or leave it. And we walked out of there. And God taught me something in that. That's what he wants. God had you in mind. God, we come to you now. We're thankful for our freedom that all the men and women who serve this country gave their life in their, in their hearts to protecting this freedom that we celebrate tomorrow called the 4th of July, God. We, we give tremendous honor and visibility to all the military that have protected this freedom. And in that, we give more honor and, and, and extended honor to you, Lord, because you are king of all nations. 
you are king of all mankind. We thank you for your freedom that you've given us through the cross. And though the world isn't recognized, your militant, uh, your militant direction through that cross, they're still enemies of you, God, but you still died for them. You still died for them. So we're praying today that they see the truth in the cross, the real thing. And they get off Instagram and they come to church and they see that they are fighting the thing that is with here to save them. So we're thankful for that freedom that we can declare it boldly and decree it and declare it and call it as it is because your word shall not return void. We're thankful for that kind of freedom. We give you all the praise and we pray everyone has a safe holiday tomorrow. And if the house of God can say right now, in Jesus' name, everybody say amen. God bless you guys. Have a good week.